You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Good Friday evening, Bills Mafia. It is Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot with you as promised. 6 p.m., a little after 6 p.m. Here, uh, two days ahead of week three, the Bills are getting set to face the Washington football team. And we're going to dive into this a little bit deeper uh, tonight. 25 shorter minutes or so uh, edition of the show. I'm excited to uh, get into a couple things that we have. But before we get into any of that, Ryan, we got a little contest going going on right now. You haven't been in Buffalo, but tell them, tell them what's what's up right now. Yeah, Bill's Mafia. There is a billboard in Buffalo, and, and Matt has put together this great contest. Stop by the billboard, snap your picture with it, and you're entered automatically once you share that picture on social media to be entered in our contest where there's going to be some great prizes involved. And Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about those prizes? Yeah. So first off, the address is 291 Chicago Street downtown. If you're driving uh, on the uh, 190 downtown, you will uh, see it. Uh, you get off at right after Hamburg Street uh, and, and you'll land uh, underneath the b- billboard. If you put 291 Chicago Street in your uh, map app, uh, take a picture, take a little selfie and then get it to us. You could tweet it at us. You can email it to me mperino at Syracuse dot com. And then you're entered in the contest. There's going to be five winners. We got about 15 or 20 people entered in so far. Uh, the billboard is up all month until October 3rd. And I know it says October 1st right here, but we're going to extend it to October 3rd. Uh, we'll draw five winners three of them will win a shout t-shirt i will mail that to you and then there'll be two grand prizes a guest appearance on shout so you we will bring you into the show for an entire episode you get to pick which episode you want to come on maybe even with a couple guests lined up we'll see but that's going to be a fun fan experience and then the grand grand prize is dinner wings and beers with myself and ryan talbot at the wing jo- joint of your choice if you live outside of buffalo you can still enter and we could try to figure it out maybe if you're going to get uh back to buffalo at some point uh we can figure it out then have some if you're not here have somebody go and do a selfie or do some kind of fun thing maybe take a picture of you uh and and snap a picture down there you can enter that way if you can't get to buffalo while the billboard is up but it's just 
it's something fun, Ryan. It, it was so cool when uh, the company put it up there and so many people have been reaching out that have seen it. It's been pretty cool. Yeah, it's been awesome. You know, I've had uh, some people come up to me and, and take pictures of the billboard itself. They didn't maybe stop and get the selfie, but they've, they've shared that with me. And I think that's pretty awesome. So uh, it, it's nice when people reach out and eat, whether it's the selfie, whether it's just a shot of the billboard or, or people coming and, and sending us messages and saying how, how cool they think that is. So we really appreciate the support. We love it. Like you said, it was awesome that the company did that. So uh, thank you. We, I saw on YouTube, Matt, we're approaching 4K subscribers. That's pretty Ooh. impressive from where we've been, right? We're, we started April 2020, correct? Um, no, we started this channel uh, right after the Baltimore game. That's right. Um, we've been doing this. Okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's it's been. Oh, yeah. By the way, Cody says nice shirt. This is the shirt. This is the shirt that you will win in the contest. But yeah, 4K subscribers on YouTube. You guys have been awesome taking care of us. We're growing this channel by leaps and bounds. It's awesome. And don't forget, you can always subscribe to the audio version as well. You can get it on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. That way, if you miss a part of the live show, you can always get it uh, on your phone whenever you want it. Speaking of which, you know, this this is the Shout Pills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Whether you're celebrating at home or away this weekend, Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. Hit up uh, Tops Friendly Markets this weekend. All right, let's get in this game, Ryan. Shout out to Brad Bessie over on Facebook. Fantastic shirt. I gave him one in Cleveland at the draft. Uh, one of our one of our biggest fans. Uh, shout out to Brad. Uh, it did uh, have a – it was a, a snug – fit i gotta say it's it feels good um i want to start off with something that you know you're starting to take a look at this game and where i think it could be won or lost and i think first and foremost i, I want to get in some keys to this game that both of us think i think it's going to come down to red zone production and we heard from brian dable earlier this week uh talking about like that's where games usually are won or lost how do you perform in the red zone whether it be you know defensively or scoring we saw week one against pittsburgh the Buffalo Bills go one for four in the red zone, and we know what happened in that game. Hmm. Four for four last week against the Miami Dolphins, and they probably could have gone one for four with the way that that defense is playing, and I'll talk about them in a second. But red zone efficiency, red zone effectiveness is going to be so key in this game. You go back to week one when the Washington football team almost managed to knock off the Los Angeles Chargers and that vaunted um, Justin Herbert offense. They scored, they had 424 yards of total offense. The Chargers did. They scored 20 points. They were two for six in the red zone. It just took two to win that game. And I think the Bills have a better defense than Chargers. So, you know, the Bills got some things going last week. I think it's going to come down to can they move the ball, which I think they can, but then take advantage in the red zone. I think that's a great point, Matt. Like you said, they were perfect last week against Miami. Uh, mind you, there were some close calls that third down play that Josh Allen kept alive. Stefan Diggs falls down, gets up, catches the ball. So being efficient in the red zone is really important for the Bills here. Like you said, a lot of yards were piled up in week one by the Chargers and even in week two by the Giants in a losing effort. You saw them in, in a very competitive game with Washington. So it's up to the Bills to move the ball uh, and obviously to be able to score when they get into those into the red zone. And for me, I think it's the bills having to get pressure on Taylor Heineke, just like they did one week ago against the Miami quarterbacks. You look at that game against the giants. And one reason that I think the giants lost in that game is they had 
two quarterback pressures on Taylor Heineke. Uh, that's not enough to get the job done. Obviously, A.J. Epineza last week alone had nine of his own. The Bills were all over the place, and it wasn't just the defensive line. They were sending heat from Matt Milano. They sent A.J. Klein. They sent Taron Johnson, Micah Hyde, uh, Tredavious White. So they were sending pressure from all three levels. I think that that's going to be the game plan again here because as we saw on our Wednesday show and we had a great guest on, he mentioned Taylor Heineke only has 11 quarters of NFL experience over these last two years. Playoff game against the Buccaneers, and then obviously uh, when he took over for Ryan Fitzpatrick in week one against the Chargers, then last week against the Giants. So it's up to the Bills to rattle him. If they can do that, I think they can create a few turnovers and really help them build and sustain the lead in this game. This group really makes it um, a lot easier on Taylor Heineke. I think when you come into a situation like this with his, a limited amount of experience, when you have talents like Terry McLaurin, obviously, I think Adam Humphreys is, is, is kind of an underrated slot guy. He's done it at a pretty high level. I know he's had a, he's kind of had a drop off since the Tennessee years, but you know, some, somebody to consider here. And Logan Thomas had the big touchdown against the Chargers. He is a real weapon. For them, so I, I think that that makes things easier on Taylor Heineke. Now, something I I came across too, Ryan, and I I need you to your feedback here to kind of explain this to me. So, Taylor Heineke is one of four quarterbacks in the NFL right now with zero turnover-worthy plays. Hmm. Tom Brady is another one of them. I think um, who is another one? Uh, I don't have the other two, but anyway. That's according to pro football focus. Really cool stat. I mean, I think Josh Allen only has three or four, nothing crazy in two weeks. Um, but Taylor Heineke, has got an interception. He threw that bad interception against the Giants where the guy jumped around. So what does constitute a turnover worthy play here, Ryan? Explain this to me. I wish I could, uh, but that's pro football focus, Matt. I don't understand half of the stats they put out uh, just because you can, I think you can challenge them half the time, but you're right. I mean, you, you throw an interception. How is that not in that category? Listen, I think that this is a young guy that can get rattled. This is someone that couldn't win a starting job in the XFL. He was the backup quarterback there. He's he's talented. Do not get me wrong. I am not <laughs> trying to knock this guy. He played very well in the playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I thought he played very well in that Thursday night football game against the Giants. But we are not talking about Patrick Mahomes here, who the Bills will see here in a few weeks. This is someone that the Bills should be able to take advantage of this week against Heineke, next week against Davis Mills. When you have a defense that is playing at such a high level, these are the games where you say, okay, if the defense plays the way it's had, Josh Allen, if he can get that protection in front of you, which is a big if because Washington has an impressive defensive front, I think this is one of those get-right games for the Bills. Get back on track, get your first win at home, and kind of roll into this next game against the Texans with a lot of confidence and hopefully exit that game as well with plenty of confidence. You know, moving over to the Washington defensive line, obviously Chase Young gets most of the headlines. Montez Sweat is an ass, absolute animal. Um, Jonathan Allen, dude, this dude is a game wrecker. And you rewind the clock two weeks, and we see here, I, I must be drinking too much hype. Scott Blakely says, I feel the Bills will dominate both sides of the ball. Uh, Allen begins the peak and defense remains stout. I know, crazy. Listen, I, I, I'm not arguing against that, and we'll get to our picks later today. But one of the key priorities for this offensive line is going to be Jonathan Allen. I think that the matchup between Deion Dawkins and Chase Young is going to be fun to watch. And I think Deion took a huge step last week. And I can tell just hearing some of his comments today, I wasn't at the facility feeling a little bit under the weather. Uh, no COVID. Uh, so that's good. Um, but I didn't want to go down there and put my sick on everybody. Um, uh, hopefully be better for Sunday. We'll see. But, um, you know, you look at Deion Dawkins 
having that confidence level, you know, growing from week to week. And I thought he was really good last week. Jonathan Feliciano, eight pressures given up in week one against Pittsburgh, zero last week. And we put out a story at the site last week about what he did, you know, how he was kind of approaching some of those early season struggles. So I think this offensive line has done a lot of things to get right, but they're going to have to be right against Jonathan Allen and, and those edge rushers this weekend. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think, obviously, Deion Dawkins versus Chase Young is the premier matchup that everyone's keeping an eye on. But I need to see something from Darrell Williams, Matt. I'm still a little bit worried about Darrell Williams at right tackle. You have Montez Sweat on that defensive line as well. You have Deron Payne. They're pretty impressive all the way across that line. But Darrell Williams still left a little bit to be desired, in my opinion, in week two. I thought he played better. Uh, but I still thought that among those offensive linemen, he ha- he was the weak link of that line. And, and it's a little bit surprising because he played so well last year in Buffalo. And obviously coming into year two, entrenched at right tackle, you would think that he would be able to build off of that. We just haven't seen that same Darrell Williams. And, and Washington, you know, I know that they haven't lived up to expectations that defensive line through two weeks. It just takes one game. It just takes one matchup or one hit, one sack, one forced fumble to turn a game around. The offensive line needs to bring their A game. We saw John Feliciano not only not give up any pressures, uh, have two great run blocks that broke off touchdowns for one for Zach Moss, one for Devin Singletary. So you just need to see them all the way across the board have another great game to build off of. And I think if they keep building their confidence, it's only going to help Josh Allen. Uh, I just retweeted it. Uh, I was talking to John Scott from Spectrum uh, Sports. I was uh, uh, gracious with his time. He jumps on the show from time to time. Give him a follow. John Scott TV on Twitter put up a really great story on Cody Ford, who opened up about what the first two years in in the league was like for him. I haven't had a chance to go through all of it yet. Uh, I knew that he was working on it yesterday. I just retweeted it. But, you know, some of the things that he told me after he walked out of the interview with with Ford was, you know, how much playing you know, tackle where he struggled early on, how much he has kind of liked moving inside. And now being at one spot, I feel like he's, he's kind of trending in, in, in a direction towards confidence level. I saw one play during that game, Ryan, where I almost felt like Cody Ford, who is, you know, in his third season, kind of looking over at Daryl Williams, like, Hey man, what, what are you doing? What, what, what were you doing out there? So I, I agree with you. I think this goes back to the start of training camp with Daryl Williams. You know, maybe we should have talked about this a little bit more, how much Greg Rousseau, was winning against him one on one like that you don't see that too often even for a vaunted you know uh you know top tier uh top 10 pick pass rusher i mean the chase youngs of the world would probably have their their work cut out for them against a veteran 10 million a dollar a year tackle and it, that just has not been the case all spring or all spring and all summer yeah it's a concern and something needs to change quickly because listen the bills do have spencer brown waiting in the wings but how quickly do they want to get him out up there on the field? That's the million-dollar question. I think Brown, athletically, he jumps off the charts. There's no denying that. You, you look at his uh, RAS score, and, and he's just one of the most athletic tackles that's been in, in these NFL drafts in the last decade. So it's there, but there's a big difference between being athletic and being able to handle blocking some of the best of the best in the game as a rookie, as a, as a third-round pick. So... They obviously don't want to throw him into the fire, but if Daryl Williams keeps struggling, I think there's going to be more of an open competition than people expect. We've seen Cody Ford shine a little bit this year as a guard. Mitch Morse has been a solid presence. Feliciano had a huge bounce back game, and the same can be said for Deion Dawkins. This is a big week for Daryl Williams to show, okay, I'm ready to bounce back as well, protect Josh Allen, let Josh Allen do his thing, not just as a passer, but as a runner, because we talked about it on Wednesday, Matt. Daniel Jones ran for 90 yards on on nine carries. 
had a touchdown. I think that Josh Allen could do some damage as well with his feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of doing some damage, head over to uh, Tops Friendly Markets this weekend and from hot to go pizza and appetizers, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs to delicious salads and brownie trays, you could do some damage. They have everything you need to feed the hungriest football fan. I'll definitely be there. I was actually there. Uh, I, I went, uh, We had Steve Carlick on uh, a few weeks ago, our, our former editor who retired. So I went out to Syracuse yesterday, a little uh, 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 goodbye party i got him some bills some bill stuff from from tops and and the tops gift card because we obviously have been working so much on this podcast over the last couple of years i thought it would be fitting um so yeah that, that was pretty cool all right let's shift gears here for a moment you know one of the things i was looking at uh, also I was, I was running through some pff grades uh different stats and, and so on and so forth guess over 20 carries this year the number one ranked running back in explosive play percentage <sighs> Devin Who is it? Devin Singletary, 55%. Listen, this is a whole new world we're talking about here, Ryan Talbot. I mean, Devin Singletary is a guy that all offseason long, fans, media, banging the drum. And you've got to go out and get somebody with speed. Dev, there's been nobody more explosive than Devin Singletary through two weeks. And I think that that allows you now to go into games and really trust your, your third-round draft picks of the last two drafts. The, well, two drafts three drafts ago and two drafts ago and Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. And, you know, as we move forward here, you know, you look at this week and with star struggling uh, a little bit with the, the groin injury that we found out today, he suffered before the game in warmups <laughs> against uh, Miami, which man, yeah. maybe Matt. some other people need some groin injuries. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Matt, I was going to say, if that was star Latule playing with a groin injury, taking on three blockers at once, what's he going to look like when he's healthy? That's a, that's a great question. But I, you know, Harrison Phillips, who was inactive last year, last week, a healthy, healthy scratch. You know, Sean really hasn't talked about it this week, but I'd imagine it was a strictly a numbers game. I think that you probably want to get him back in the mix this week. And if you add him and you keep star and you keep Vernon and Zimmer, I don't think you could inactive inactivate Justin Zimmer or Vernon Butler last week. I thought Vernon Butler, you go back and watch that tape. Vernon Butler was active. He was making plays. He looked quicker. That was the best version of Vernon Butler we've seen since last year. I can't remember the specific game, but he had one last year that he really popped off. Any more of that from Vernon Butler? And I think he's kind of earning more trust in playing time. Yeah, you need that across the line from the defensive line. Obviously, we saw a lot from Epineza. We saw some thing, great things from Greg Rousseau, two sacks. Uh, Justin Zimmer, a sack. Obviously, you know, being able to run down these running backs. They have a lot of talent on the defensive line, and, and Harrison Phillips might get his opportunity this year or this week, I should say, as well. But flipping the script to the running back position, you know, it's funny because all offseason you saw the videos, you heard the hype, you said, okay, He's really improved his burst. He's really improved in a lot of areas. And a lot of, you know, some fans bought into it. Don't get me wrong. A lot of the Bills fans said, I think he can do this. There are others like, you can't teach burst. You can't teach this. Well, listen, you can teach that. You've seen Singletary show off that burst this year through two games. Look more like that uh, version of himself from his rookie. You've seen burst from AJ Epineza. So I think burst is something you can teach when you get the right, uh, you know, the, the the right trainers in place, the right kind of workouts in place. We're seeing it on both sides of the ball. And uh, I, I did see a comment from Brian Almond in here. Can you trust him with the fumbles? Well, listen, that's a whole nother conversation. We've seen Singletary fumble a few balls out of bounds. We've seen Zach Moss fumble one. That's up to those backs to protect the football a little bit more. But I, I think it's really encouraging to see the performance that the running backs have had for the Bills through two weeks because I think you're going to see 
not just the first two weeks of the season this year, all throughout the year, you're going to see extra defensive backs on the fields. You're going to see light fronts from defensive lines <laughs> and, and linebacker cores. And, and you're going to pretty much see defenses challenging the bills to run. And if Devin Singletary and Zach Moss can keep this up over the course of the season, then opposing teams, you know, that's not going to work anymore. They're going to bills are going to run the ball and run it with success. And that's going to open things up for Josh Allen and company. Yeah, and a good question in here uh, in the chat about Josh Allen uh, from Jackie over on YouTube. Uh, do you think Daryl is the reason Josh is avoiding rolling right? I mean, I think it's part of the reason. I mean, if you go back and look at the touchdown that he threw to uh, Stephon Diggs, he had to move up in the pocket and, and kind of get out of get out of there to his right, which he was able to to do because of the the, the blitzing. Uh, I think it was the linebacker there. It wasn't necessarily that Daryl Williams missed the block, but he just did, he wasn't aware enough to pick him up, and so you know it worked out. Josh got out. He he created something, which he tends to do. But I think that that is definitely part of the problem on that right side. And this goes into what we were talking about the other night, Ryan. This offense needs consistency from from every position group for it to to run like it did last year. You know, I, I think one of the things that really you know stood out to me when I, as I'm looking through some of the stats is Josh Allen. You know, literally the lowest quarterback in the league with yards per attempt. And I think it's like somewhere around just over five. Uh, he might not be the the very the very last, but he's in the mix with the guys. You just don't want to be in that group. Hmm. And I think that that piece of it, the, the struggling up front of the offensive line, has led to kind of this this difficulty to find a rhythm because you're always dealing with this this chaos in front of you. And I thought this group as a whole, pass blocking wise, take out Kansas City, and you know that was a really tough game. But I thought as a whole last year, that group was really good in that department. It's got to continue to be better as they move in against a really good defensive line this week. Oh, absolutely. And listen, I think, you know, that question was great. I think there is something to be said about Darrell Williams struggles and the fact that Josh couldn't roll out to his right. There's something to be said about those the short yards per attempt because of having to get the ball off quickly because of pressure, uh, because of teams bracketing Stefan Diggs and taking players away from him. You know, these are the growing pains that now Josh Allen has to counter. There's a lot of film from him and this offense from last year out there. Defenses are playing him differently so far. It's now up to the Bills. Uh, Josh Allen, the, the way that the Bills receivers run their routes, Brian Dable calls his plays to counter that. Because when you can come up with a successful counter, then the defense has to go back to the drawing board. So so Buffalo really has to kind of do their due diligence here over these next few weeks. I think you're going to start to see some changes here against Washington and how they move the ball. I think there's going to be more opportunities against Washington as long as that offensive line can protect against that defensive front. Because I, I like that matchup of these wide receivers against that those defensive backs that Washington has. There's some talent there, don't get me wrong, but I like this matchup more than last week. Miami obviously having a very talented secondary. Uh, then, like I said, what we saw one week ago, I did see something in here in our comments, Matt. Hope Starla Tulele plays uh, from Scott Blakely. Scott, uh, there's no reason to think that he's not going to. No injury designation. Uh, after today's practice, he was a full participant. There's only two players that are listed as questionable, so fully expect to see Starla Tulele out there on the field on Sunday. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. I want to get into the receivers real quick, but before we do, let's let's talk about that injury report today. Justin Zimmer over Harrison Phillips. There was a fan in the in the in the comments that you know seemed to take some issue with that. Justin Zimmer's been better. 
Uh, and through two weeks, he's he's been explosive. He's been a playmaker. He's got a an, a, a never ending, never stopping motor that I think that you know resonates with the coaches. And so I think Zimmer has earned the the snaps that he's getting. And so I think that we'll continue to see Zimmer whether or not Harrison is, is active. Um, either way, but some issues at, at cornerback, Ryan. You know, you talk about how how well. Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson played both listed as questionable uh, on the injury report, both dealing with knee injuries, which is a little bit scary. Uh, I, I am a big fan, obviously uh, no bias here at all of Cam Lewis uh, who's sitting on the bills practice squad, but uh, he's, he's kind of sitting in the wings and I I could see them because Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace were both full today. So they're questionable for Sunday. I could see them both being brought in and then Dane Jackson, maybe being that, uh, you know, first practice squad elevation uh, tomorrow uh, before the game, just to have that insurance in case either of those guys get banged up in this game. Yeah. You know, Cam Lewis might be elevated up. And like you said, you have Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace listed with knee injuries. You, you mentioned it though. Both listed is questionable. It uh, looked like when Levi left, a lot of people assumed it was cramping. It looked like it was cramping the way they were stretching him out. Uh, the fact that they were out here, full participants on a Friday, that's good news for the Bills. I think they're both leaning towards playing. Listen, cornerback is one of those areas where the Bills did not have a lot of depth this offseason. They, they had a lot of young guys, a lot of players that struggled. So that's why you work out a Quentin Dunbar. That's why I'm sure they're going to continue to look to see who's out there, who's available. Maybe even as the trade deadline approaches, maybe they swing a trade for someone. It, it, when you're in this championship window, you always have to be making sure that you have someone waiting in the wings in case there's an injury. So, you know, there's still some big names out there that might have some some troubles. There's a Richard Sherman that we've talked about a lot this offseason. A lot of teams are starting to show interest in him. Maybe that's a path they go. Maybe Dunbar is brought in. But they do have some faith in Cam Lewis. They obviously have faith in what Dane Jackson can do when he's healthy. But when you have your number two cornerback in Levi Wallace, who's a little bit banged up right now, his top reserve banged up, it's a concern because it, we're not that far away, Matt, from matchups against the Kansas City Chiefs, Tennessee Titans, and you got to make sure that you have the best of the best out there. Just going through the injury report a little bit here. Uh, I know some people asking Gabriel about Gabriel Davis. He was limited on Wednesday and Thursday. I wasn't there today. He was full. This is usually a lighter practice. I still thought yesterday he was doing some work uh, as he was running some routes and, and, and favoring that ankle a little bit. I think that was a big reason why he played such a limited amount last week. So I think that they could still kind of be cautious with him this week. And if it means more Dawson Knox, I think that they're comfortable with that at this stage. You know, looking at this receiving core, uh, you know, we talked to Emmanuel Sanders yesterday and it was, it was funny. He walked out and he was like, he was, you could tell it was windy at the facility. Like it was like 60, but the wind made it feel like 50. One of those really sub elite fall days, if you will, <laughs> um, in Orchard Park. And he was looking around, he was shivering in a hoodie and he was like, man, this is terrible. And somebody was like, well, you're from Denver. You played in Denver all those years. And he's like, this ain't Denver. When it's 60 in Denver, it's sunny out. There's no wind like this. Like it's, it's just different. Uh, and it is. And he said, you know, what he's here to do is win, you know, win in the regular season, win a Super Bowl, And then he's going to throw up the deuces, be out, go on a beach somewhere. And then everybody else could have the cold weather is what he said. But, you know, I think this is a big game for Manuel Sanders. I think he's starting to get comfortable in this offense. Um, you know, one of the things that I don't think that I necessarily accounted for was that, you know, 
I was thinking about this. John Brown, in a lot of ways, was probably a better compliment to Stefan Diggs. Like just at the at the jump from when they were paired together than when Emmanuel and, and Stefan Diggs were paired together. Because I think Diggs and Sanders are a little bit more similar in the way that they play the game. John Brown is a little bit more finesse kind of wide receiver. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that they could probably figure it out. But I think that that's why it's been a little bit clunky at the start. But I think it now it comes down to, you know, Emmanuel Sanders said something interesting. He said, week one, we were going in there and we were like, we got to get open. We got to run our routes. And, you know, they, they kind of, you know, went into Miami last week and now they're holding over to this Washington week. Listen, we're going to take that pressure off of ourselves. We're going to go out there. We're going to do our job. We're not going to try to do too much. We're going to play football. We're going to get open for Josh. And then we're going to make plays when we get the ball. And I think that maybe the that would might be a little bit of a, a a lens into the pressure that was on these guys going into the season, you know? Yeah. Listen, there's a ton of pressure on these guys. They they looked like the greatest show on turf at times last year with the way they were moving the ball through the air. Uh, so you come into 2021 and, and you're expecting the same. But like we talked about earlier, Matt, there's a lot of film on the, the Bills offense from last season and the uh, success that they had. And speaking to your point, another reason that John Brown and Stefan Diggs off the jump may have been a better pairing. Brown had a year of experience uh, in this offense. He had experience mm. with Josh Allen. He had that chemistry already built. This offseason, Emmanuel Sanders was dealing with a little bit of a foot injury here and there. He missed a lot of time. They maybe couldn't work out the, the, the little intricacies in terms of building that chemistry together. We're starting to see it now, that deep pass in the Miami game. They missed it in the first game against Pittsburgh. So I'm sure as this year goes on, they're going to get more on the same page. They're going to connect a little bit more as well. Diggs is going to be Diggs. Beasley's still going to be a, a guy in the slot that you can trust. And then you still have Gabriel Davis, who, like you said, last week was nowhere near 100%. He was still active. He wasn't out there much. Uh, as he heals from this, he's going to be more and more of an, an important contributor. He was one of Josh Allen's favorite targets when he had to scramble out of the pocket and wait for someone to get open. One of his favorite targets along the sidelines. When you have all four of them going, when you have that chemistry working with Josh and Emmanuel Sanders, that's when this is going to really be at its best. And like you said, now that they're kind of taking the pressure off themselves and say, we're just going to go out there, we're going to play. This is, you know, this is something they've been doing since they were kids. I think that this is a matchup that could bode well for them. You know, I tweeted something during the game at halftime when people were freaking out about the offense. And I said, Bill's offense scored one touchdown last week. They have two in the first half this week, just offering some perspective. Offense has work to do, but anyone remember how it started last year in September and then what happened in October. And I think people didn't really understand that at the time. They, they, they were overreact. They were reacting to how, how, you know, not 2020 Bills offense, the 2021 Bills offenses look so far. And I think that they weren't kind of really giving it the thought of what I was meaning by that, because you fast forward the clock. You talked about that hot start with John Brown and the offense and the way they scored in Miami and the way that they were moving the ball up and down the field against the Rams defense, right? The wheels fell off against Kansas City, against Tennessee. That can't happen this year. That Kansas City game, there's so much importance on that game, Ryan, like it's a regular season game, but you know what? That could be the difference in home field advantage. And I'll tell you right now, that's what this team is still focused in on winning the AFC East. Sure. You know, that's, that's the number one goal, but that should be with the talent on this roster. And the fact that you just paid $258 million to your quarterback, that should be a foregone conclusion at this point. That's what good teams do. You got to get home field advantage. If you want to give yourself every chance to go to the super bowl. And if this offense 
comes out of the gates and is flying high and putting out all this tape in, in September, maybe there this is Brian Dable's been a little bit vanilla by design because he's eyeing that game, the importance of that game, and doesn't want to now Kansas City's defense has been actually funny enough, one of the worst in the NFL so far. Oh, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson was able to do anything he wanted the other night against them. So maybe that game turns out a little bit different. But Spagnola versus Dable slash Allen has not gone well the last two times. It's got to go well this time. Absolutely. And, and there's even something mentally about that, not just winning the, or claiming the number one seed in the AFC. There's that mental hurdle of we got to be able to defeat this team in the regular season. So that way, when, we, when it comes playoff time, we don't have that block in our head saying, man, this is a team we just can't get by. You know, Baltimore, before this game this season, that's how they felt that Kansas City had been their kryptonite. They had beaten them and beaten them pretty handily uh, over the course of the, of the last few years. And then it looked like at one point it was going to kind of be the same old kind of game, but then Lamar had a great game, Lamar Jackson and company. And when all was, you know, when it was all said and done, they won that game. I think the bills need a game like that against Kansas city to show that not just for the number one seed in the AFC, but Hey, listen, come playoff time. We can do this again. We can go toe to toe with them offensive. We have just as much firepower. And then defensively, the bills through two weeks are in a much better spot than Kansas city who, they could not stop the Browns in week one if it hadn't been for, uh, you know, the punter dropping that snap and, and uh, getting tackled. That game may have been in the Browns' favor, and maybe we'd be sitting here talking about Kansas City being 0-2 <laughs> through two weeks, which is pretty unbelievable to think about. But the offenses look good. The defense, not so much. Josh Allen and company should have some opportunities. The defense has to step up, and the Bills have to show once and for all that they can go toe-to-toe with this Kansas City team. Two days, we're going to find out how this thing plays out. But before we get out of here, we got to give our prediction. I'm going to start. I have the Bills winning 31 to 20. The offense getting it going, scoring some points. Buffalo right now, their defense, talking about red zone at the top of the show. Buffalo's red zone defense is allowing touchdowns on only 16.6% of drives this year. That's number one in the NFL, Ryan. So when you, you know, the bend but don't break model that, that Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott have employed for so long, it's it's being executed and run right now at the, the most elite level in the NFL. I think this defense is playing with a ton of confidence. I think Taylor Heineke comes in here in the environment, dealing with the fans, and it's going to be a rabid environment on Sunday, I would imagine. You know, the Bills able to make get the offense going in a more similar direction to what we saw last season. 31-20, that's my pick. All right, I have 34-17 Bills. One of those touchdowns is a pick six for this defense. I think they're going to be able to get after Tyler uh, Taylor Heineke. They're going to be able to create a turnover that someone in the secondary returns for a touchdown. Maybe it's Boyer Hyde, one of the cornerbacks. I don't know. I think it happens later in the game when they're trying to, to close the gap on a Bills lead. I think Josh Allen looks better. This run game picks up where it left off, and, and the wide receivers do kind of get over that, not, not necessarily mental hurdle, but they go out there and play looser. I think they've been playing a little bit tight. I think defenses have been playing them different. I think they have a lot of success in this game. So the Bills win it 34-17. Beautiful. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. Hit that like button and sub- subscribe before you get out of here. Every time we go live, it'll send you a notification so you're in. We started at the top of the show. If you if you just joined us, we explained the contest that we're running. We got a billboard in downtown Buffalo. Go snap a selfie with it. Get it to us. Tweet it at us. Email it to us. You get entered into the contest. The prizes are great. And then, uh, yeah, we're brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Are you hosting a large party this weekend? Check out Tops' huge selection 
party platters for a delicious, effortless, and affordable, no-stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com forward slash fantasy foodball. Ryan Talbot, final thought. Looking forward to seeing the Bills at home again, seeing if they can bounce back from that week one loss at Highmark Stadium. I think the stadium will be rocking. It's going to make it very tough for an inexperienced quarterback in Heineke to be successful over four quarters. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. We will be live after the game on Sunday. Watch your Buffalo Bills play, play a football game. Watch us after the game. We usually go live two to three hours after the game because I like to get into the locker room. Uh, not the locker room, the press conference room. Do the interviews. Uh, we'll write a little bit. Then we'll, we'll, we'll give you guys some time to marinate. And then usually between those those 4 o'clock games and the 7 o'clock game, or the, the night game, we try to go live. All right, guys. We'll see you Sunday. Have a good weekend. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.